0: i'm debbie georgettis welcome to my show america can we talk today we're going to talk about blm marxist millionaires ceos demand election fraud the great america manipulation exposed and join america can we talk to defend america the free and of course i'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. So there was a little bit of news out over the weekend about a Black Lives Matter founder, the Black Lives Matter founder, named Patrice Cullors, C-U-L-L-O-R-S. And she was in the news because she is the one, by the way, the very one, we played the uh, clip in this show before, she's the one who said, I am Marxist trained. She and others involved in the beginning of Black Lives Matter. Now, I will give brief credence to the reality that there are some peaceful Americans who are uh, African-American who wanted to have a peaceful effort to raise consciousness to what in their view was unfair treatment or racially biased treatment by police officers in this country against black Americans. That was, there was that genesis of the idea of Black Lives Matter going on also. But the organization, the one that runs all the riots, that burns down the cities, that destroys police cars, that kills people, that group, Marxist to the core. The founder that we're about to talk, listen to again in a moment. She was the one interviewed where she said, very, not hiding it, just, yeah, we're we're Marxist-trained. And the BLM organization, as you've talked about many times on the show, is funded by Marxists slash communists, funded by radical anti-American forces, not trying to improve the American uh, criminal justice system, not trying to improve relations. Between the American people of all backgrounds and the police department, but instead very much committed, very much determined to bringing down America, bringing down America, because they say yeah, America is racist, uh, the police department is racist, capitalism is racist, you know, freedom is racist. All of that, they have latched on to the argument of racism to attack the very identity of America itself. So you have this Patrice Cullors, now having been discovered over the last few years, she and her, uh, she's married to a woman, so she and her partner, wife, um, have purchased four different homes. These are, obviously, most Americans view it to be, you know, the, the American dream, the culmination of the dream to buy your own home. They have four, and these are not slouchy homes at all. One in Malibu, one uh, back east has actually a landing strip. I mean, who doesn't have a landing strip in their, in their second home uh, backyard? But I want to play something for you that she said. She was interviewed, Patrice Cullors, where she was essentially asked about, you know, are, you're accused of being a Marxist. Are you or are you not? So I sent him back The Wonderful, the, um, this little clip. We'll play it, and then we'll talk about it. I mean, let's, let's
1: just talk about it. Am I a Marxist? I'm a lot of things. I do believe in Marxism. It's a philosophy that I learned really early on in my organizing career. We were taught to learn about the systems that were criticizing capitalism. We were taught to understand why there were philosophies that were criticizing capitalism. I'm working on making sure that people don't suffer. I'm working to make sure people don't go hungry. And these comments that I've received have been incredibly hurtful. It means that so many people who have listened to people like me and like Black Lives Matter and across other social justice organizations aren't really taking our work very seriously. But I do believe that we can get to a place where there's a socioeconomic system that doesn't oppress some groups of people and only uplifts a few. I don't know if it's worth us talking about communism because it it just has such a bad rap. Well, because it, it's failed every time. That's why it has a bad <laughs> but rap. But so has capitalism. Absolutely. It's because the US is so good at propaganda and being like, this, it has sold the idea of the American dream and that's tied into capitalism and wealth. It's, it's much harder to sell communism, given that so much of the experiment has failed around the world.
0: So unfair, so unfair to her. She cannot find a good way to sell communism. Before I get to diving a little deeper into what is so, it is so revealing, if you stop and think about what she is saying and how she's living her life and what she's doing with the money she made, let me just compare her with other people who lead, support, Marxist communist lifestyle. For example, Fidel Castro, who led the Cuban Revolution, whose people still live in poverty today, whose people still, many of them would give anything to leave Cuba, to come to America, to have freedom. When Fidel Castro died just a few years ago, Fidel Castro, the leader of the communist revolution, the leader of the communist idea in that island nation in which the people are so desperately suffering that they'll jump onto rickety rowboats and try to row across the Atlantic Ocean to get to Florida. That guy, Fidel Castro, when he died, had a net worth of $900 million, $900 million. Hugo Chavez led the communist revolution in Venezuela, was the one who just sold the beauty of communism, had the idiotic uh, Hollywood stars, you know, running down to have their photo op with Hugo Chavez and show how really enlightened they were. And this is the phase of the future. This is this is the wave of the future. Hugo Chavez, at his death, was was worth one billion. B as in boy billion. Current leader, Nicolas Maduro, still alive, of course, but People suffering, people eating their pets, people so starving starving and hungry and desperate, they're breaking into zoos and killing zoo animals to eat them. That guy, he's worth $2 million. This is not just a fluke circumstance. This is the necessary and inevitable and undeniable and always will be outcome of marxism and communism. The people who lead these these movements, the people who stand up and say we're for equality, we are for ending capitalism and capitalism is cruel and capitalism is terrible and communism is the way to go. We're going to make everything fair. They spread misery. They create poverty and they live like kings because everything they're saying, all the rules they're trying to impose on the entire population don't apply to them. Fidel Castro did not share his $900 million wealth with the starving people of Cuba. He did not. He let them starve. He let starvation happen. He let abject, miserable poverty happen in Cuba. Because he doesn't have that heart. He was claiming he has that idea that so many communists claim they have, which is they're just in this to make life better, life fairer for the poor, for the masses, for the peasants. They're going to lift them up. Communism, Marxism creates misery everywhere it goes. As you actually heard that one, whoever was interviewing, interviewing Patrice Culler say, you know, well, the people uh, you know, kind of not communism because it doesn't work. It never has worked. And even as Marxism, it doesn't work. what happened in cuba what happened in venezuela and now i want to get back to patrice Cullors, the founder of the black lives matter movement she and her wife have purchased four homes so they can in fact tour in california one's in malibu another one's in some other area one place so large in georgia rural georgia that they have a landing strip and an indoor swimming pool and i say this because. I am not against wealth accumulation. I'm actually in favor of wealth accumulation. As long as you come by it honestly, you didn't steal it from somebody else. Wealth accumulation, the drive for prosperity, the drive to earn more and to live a better life because you have worked hard to earn it, this is part of capitalism. This is, and Marxism, which Patrice Cullors is acknowledging she has studied in her efforts to become a community organizer. I mean, she's a community organizer ilk Marxist. Marxism, the primary tenet of Marxism is to end capitalism. She's made herself wealthy in America, in the system we have, in our capitalist system. She's become wealthy, and she didn't do what you'd think someone actually driven to help the poor would do if they were just, they they found wealth accumulation so offensive, so outrageous, which Marxists always preach, they think. They preach that it is terrible to to have wealth accumulation, it's terrible to become wealthy. But when they become wealthy themselves, you do not see them doing what the mass majority of American good capitalist Christians do, which is share their wealth, which is donate their money, which is give to charities at home, abroad in their families. You see her acquiring yet a fourth home. I really couldn't care less if she has 25 homes. I don't care if anybody has 25 homes. I do care that what she is doing to America is selling the lie selling the falsehood that Marxism is somehow the answer. Marxism, the taking down of America, the taking down of American capitalism, the taking down of the entrepreneurial system in this country, the taking down of freedom in this country. She's pushing to destroy freedom while she is enjoying the benefits of the money that she got in our system, which celebrates and thrives on freedom and free markets. A hypocrite of the highest order. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. By the way, I'm not thinking about becoming a communist leader or anything, but can you believe Chavez was a billionaire? I mean, there aren't that many billionaires in America. Anyway, on to the next story. I actually thought that was really helpful, not just because, and we're going to talk a little bit more about her later, Patrice Cullors and the Black Lives Matter movement, because it's not just that she's utterly hypocritical, utterly hypocritical in pushing for Marxism and yet holding on to the money she's making and buying, buying four homes for herself and her wife. Um, but it is what they are instilling into the minds and hearts of American citizens. Hatred of America, disdain for America, disdain for America's freedom and free markets, disdain for their fellow Americans. It is just an ugly, ugly mentality to take on. But on to the next topic. So there was a big powwow over the weekend. Saturday morning, a big old Zoom call happened. And this Zoom call was put on by a a Yale School of Management professor, Jeffrey Sonnenfeld. Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, big fat Zoom call, 100 CEOs part of it, over 100 CEOs, major, major, major corporations in America all got on a big fat Zoom call to talk about the idea that they need to come together to impose, to oppose, to actively oppose election security measures. Like the Georgia law. We've been talking about the Georgia law ad nauseum. We talked last Thursday, I think it was last Wednesday, uh, with my friend Kim Crockett, who is here from Minnesota. You know, this whole notion that there there is nothing, let me repeat it again, nothing even remotely unfair or unreasonable or racially biased or in any way biased in the Georgia election integrity law. In fact, many better provisions, stronger provisions were left out of that bill because of the bullying of the left but still the left has found this argument that election integrity is the next category they can pick to make their argument to sell their argument that America is a deeply racist nation that needs to be taken down so they had this uh, call on Saturday, and uh, the CEOs of these companies that were on the call, I just want to mention some of them. I mean, it was over 100 CEOs, and these are not like CEOs of mom-and-pop shops. These are the big guns in America. Pepsi, PayPal, Starbucks, AMC Entertainment, Merck, Hess, a bunch of huge companies in America all coming together to strategize about how they're going to oppose election integrity laws in America. And again, I ask you, name anyone listening to this show, email me, put a comment on Facebook or wherever you're listening, YouTube, wherever you are. How is the Georgia law unfair? Because nobody has an intelligent answer because it's not unfair. It is the most reasonable, as I say, milquetoast, almost weenie level uh, effort to bring some correction, some election integrity back into the election system in Georgia. So why are these CEOs doing this? Why, if any rational first year law student could read the Georgia election integrity law and say, there's nothing wrong with this, there's not nothing wrong at all with this, anyone could do that. So, why is there so much opposition to it, and why are these CEOs getting on board? Well, the reason there's so much opposition to it is because if states, in response to the 2020 election cycle, if these states pass election integrity laws then they are going they are sending the message they're sending the message to the american people that something was amiss in the 2020 election cycle this is the last thing that the left ever wants to happen no one's allowed to talk about election integrity no one's allowed to talk about the 2020 elections this is not permissible this was in fact r- early on after um, uh, president biden took office he had one of his regulations that deals with defining domestic terrorism expanded to mean to include ele- that uh, you are a domestic terrorist if you even question the outcome of the 2020 election. So you have these CEOs coming on board, planning their strategy, encouraging, encouraging each other. Let's stand strong against these new election integrity laws. So they are in Georgia. Uh, There was one place they focused, now they're going to talk about expanding their efforts to all the states where they're going to be passing election integrity laws. Why? Why? When there's nothing, no one's passing laws like the old Jim Crow laws really were in the South when the Democrats ran the South. And when the Democrats ran the South and passed the Jim Crow laws that said, for example, things like, you know, you had to be, you had to have a high school degree to vote, which many black Americans did not have at that time or you had, to have, you had to pass a literacy test, things they put in place to make it harder for people who are less educated to vote. This is what is actual uh, bias election laws long ago put in place by Democrats. Nothing Jim Crow about these laws. So, so again, why are these CEOs doing this? I'll tell you a couple of thoughts of why they're doing this. Number one, because corporate America is pressured day in and day out by left-wing advocacy ranging from their annual uh, shareholder meetings when they have the shareholders show up and they have if they're publicly traded they have to have these meetings they have they come together at some meeting place the left orchestrates the left organizes before the meeting even starts and is even the date is even set for the meeting they have started organizing, let's go and let's demand this, demand that they do more for the LGBTQ community, demand they do more about uh, election fraud, demand they do more of this. They make left-wing demands and they make a lot of noise and they hassle at publicly at the shareholder meetings. They also privately pressure people who run these large corporations privately pressured them there was a, a it was like 120 or something uh people signed on to some letter uh, in georgia that went was sent to the delta airlines uh board i guess saying you know th- these these laws are outrageous you've got to start boycotting you've got to speak up you've got to fight and so they organize themselves and they make the corporate leaders the presidents of these corporations the leaders the board members they make them think that there's a bigger, larger opposition to what they are to to, on any issue. There's a bigger, larger mass of people, pro or con on any issue than there really is. That is the point. It's the idea. Because if they convince these board members, you know, America is going to say you're racist if you won't stand up. We're going to tell America you're racist if you won't stand up against election integrity legislation. The left functions politically. 24-7, 24-7, 365, all day, every day, all week long, every hour, all year long. They're constantly on the political agitation mode. And so they pressure corporations. Corporations think, well, you know, I'm not really hearing much from the right, I'm not hearing too much about whether or not we should step out and uh, attack these election integrity laws, so I guess we'll go ahead and do that. It's easier to go along with the left because they are such bullies, such loud so insistent, so demanding. This is what the left does. It's how they roll. And so you have these corporations, they figure everyone's hearing this, you know, and they want to be in good standing. They want to be in the cool crowd. They want to be in the one that's accepted as kind of hip and with it. So they go along with these things. And then they reinforce each other. You got some Yale professor getting on. So even a call from a Yale professor saying, hey, Get on a Zoom call with us, and all of a sudden you think, wow, I'm really in the ruling elite. Look at me. I, I'm getting a call from the, a Yale professor, and I'm going to get on board, and he couldn't be wrong, so I'm just going to go along with whatever he's saying. So the Yale professor is saying, yeah, yeah, you got to fight election integrity legislation. you got to pretend it's really biased. They go, okay, and they do it. So we're going to watch corporate America surrender to the left, and in part it is due to the fact that you don't have a countervailing Sufficient pressure from conservative organizations, conservative Americans, conservative shareholders, pushing back saying, don't you dare Mr. Corporate, Mr. CEO, get involved in this election hassle. This has nothing to do with the product or service you sell. Shut up. Stay in your lane. Make a better airline. Make a better product. Make a better service. Stay out of politics. If more pressure came from the right, maybe they would do that, but they don't hear from us. Compounded with the fact in this election issue, election integrity issue, you had too many people in Washington on the conservative side of the aisle, too silent unwilling to say, there were some really big problems here in this last election cycle. I mean, the massive mailing out of unsolicited mail-in ballots, that you had people saying, yeah, we got five ballots at our house, you know, apparently could have voted for all of them. You have H.R. 1, H.R. 1 pending, now it's actually SB 1, Senate Bill 1, pending in the Senate, which would completely not just legitimize and legalize every single vote fraud tactic you've ever heard of, not just legalize it, mandate it, and you barely hear a peep out of the conservative leaders in Washington. You barely hear a peep. A few voices, a few Republican voices in the House and a very few in the Senate saying, this is really, really bad. This is the absolute destruction of the election system in America. But because you don't hear that from anyone on the right, and if you, or, or let's put it the other way, suppose you did hear that. Suppose it was daily messaging from Republicans in the Congress and Republicans in the Senate saying HR or HR 1, SB 1 is outrageous. It is demanding states commit election fraud, it's forcing states to allow election fraud to occur. If you had those kind of voices and you had people demanding this, then the same way the left works, these corporate heads might do something different. But right now, it's easier for them to go with the flow and play along with the pretend of the left that these election integrity laws are somehow deeply unfair and racist, and they're not. Okay, next thing I want to hit today, I'm just, I'm blown away by the lack of backbone in so many leaders in corporate America. It is just so much easier for them to surrender to the left, go, well, okay, you know, left tells us we're supposed to say this today, so I guess we'll say this today. That's where we are. Okay, I called this next segment, and I really want to have a very serious conversation. You know, I call my Monday shows Deep Dive Monday. And I do like the idea in, um, on these Monday shows of being able to dive into an issue a little more deeply. Uh, be- and in part, it's because we don't have guests on Mondays or we very rarely have a guest on a Monday show. It's kind of my day to do my show, my deep dive Mondays. And I want to dive into something that's, that's a, um, it's a very serious uh, thing. I'm going to give you an example of it first and then talk about where we are. And this, I'll give you the example first. You all recall what happened, of course, on January 6th at the United States Capitol after a speech by President Trump, then-so President Trump, on the day that the Senate and House were going to be voting on the uh, the Electoral College submissions that had come into the um, the meeting of the House and the Senate. Uh, there was there was violence at the U.S. Capitol. An episode of violence. There were uh, people. Some windows were broken. Uh, some people were um, uh, you know forced their way into the Capitol. Uh, there were. quotes attributed, quotes attributed to some people um, who apparently were claiming they were, um, you know, uh, out to get somebody or out to do something. So that, so it made really big news and it should have. There were many reports also about Black Lives Matter and Antifa also being on the scene, also being part of it. Many people considering that this looks like a setup by the left, the January 6th incident at the Capitol Set up by the left to use to blame the conservatives, blame the Tea Party, or whoever they say blame the Trump supporters for the violence that was at least instigated by some on the left. It's a big. So what's happened since then? And there's a great piece I really urge you to read. It's on the uh, website called American Greatness. It's by this Julie Kelly, and the article is called "January 6 Is the New Russia Gate Lie," and. Why I'm hoping you can take the time to read this is to really grasp, she just does a good job of laying out this point I wanna make. When the media, or as I call them often, the Democrat media mob in this country, the American left, figured out that they could use the January 6th incident to portray conservatives in this country, to portray Trump supporters, to portray you know, Tea Party-type people as insurrectionists, as people actually intending to try to overthrow the US government, which is not what they were doing in Washington, is not what happened, is not what anyone was trying to do, is not what they said. But the left realized how powerful that was to use terms in describing the people who went into the Capitol on January 6th As insurrectionists. And this great piece that Julie Kelly wrote runs through the way the left has latched onto this story of January 6th to characterize anyone who they want to demonize as an insurrectionist and to characterize the whole uh, episode at the Capitol on January 6th as an actual attempt to overthrow the U.S. government. But it wasn't. It wasn't there were people out of control in the Capitol that day. I mean, I was not there. I was here in the great state of Texas, but there were people who were really angry that day, people who got in the Capitol and they were angry. And there was some breaking of windows. And those people have been, I believe all, or nearly all, been tracked down by the FBI, arrested, they're being held, they're being charged, they're being prosecuted. But there were also people there who literally went inside the Capitol and, you know, Uh, kind of watching everybody else, seeing what was happening. Um, There were people who thought maybe they were going to get to sit and listen to the House and Senate, go through the count of the Electoral College votes, which they were not gonna be able to do. But the point is, the left has latched onto that episode to spread the narrative, spread the storyline, that there is an insurrectionist element in America that was trying to overthrow the American government that day. And that is not true. And the people painting that narrative and telling that narrative know it is not true. I'll tell you a few other quick facts about since January 6th. The Department of Justice had to put out a big statement and all of the left-wing media, Politico and Slate and all those types had to put it out to their listeners saying, hey, wait a minute, folks, before you're too excited about this, it does not appear there's any insurrection. It also appears that most people who got inside the Capitol that day while well, they may have done something wrong, did not commit felonies. At the very most, the vast majority, if they did anything illegal, committed merely misdemeanors, a much lower classification as crime. So you had misdemeanors, which are not the same thing as felonies. You're less, much less likely to go to jail for any kind of misdemeanor, especially in a first offense. Um, and there's no evidence of an insurrection. So the DOJ is trying to put this out, saying, you know what? And in fact, they're putting it out the tone of the announcement, the tone of way political and slate covered it, was to kind of convey the message, sorry to disappoint you, American left. Sorry to disappoint you, Biden supporters. Sorry to disappoint everybody who's hoping this will be the final you know, cracking down on, uh, on anyone who likes Trump. But they're trying to say, hey, you know what, folks? It wasn't what the media painted it would be the the media grotesquely exaggerated what occurred on january 6 and they use the term insurrectionists and that term has been carried forth and used over and over and over and over and over by the media to cast the people who were concerned about election integrity as dangerous insurrectionists so Number one, what's occurring is that when it inside the Capitol that day, uh, well, definitely crimes were committed and and people are being prosecuted and they should be prosecuted and they are being prosecuted. But it was was hyped up grotesquely by the left with a very specific political mission in mind, which was to convey to the American people who don't pay enough attention, who only read left-wing news sources into thinking it was the insurrection and thank God we, we shut it down. There was nothing like that it's the same reason that the democrat-controlled house and senate continue to keep up the fence around the capitol with barbed wire and the armed people armed soldiers walking around carrying machine guns they're not there because the left actually really thinks that the insurrectionists might still be coming they're there because they want to convey that impression They, the leaders of the Democrat Party, want to convey that impression to the American people that there is a huge reason to be deeply fearful because the insurrections are right around the corner and they just might do this again tomorrow. And that's why the fence is up and that's why barbed wire and that's why machine gun armed soldiers are needed. They don't think it's needed. They think that the American people need to be continued to be led down the path of hating and fearing the conservatives in this country. This is why the Democrats are keeping that fencing up. But back this January 6th story, among the many things that got flung out there, five people died, five people died, as though it was, you know, it was as though that was a uh, conduct they're trying to attribute to, or point a finger of blame, at the conservatives who were upset about the election outcome. So, um, to do a little bit of correction on that, uh, number one, The one person actually murdered that day the only person murdered that day was a u.s veteran a woman veteran who was shot in the back or maybe the side of her neck i think it was the back of her side of her neck by a capitol police officer she was unarmed and shot and killed by a capitol police officer and no charges against a capitol officer no one even knows his name you can't even get his name they're trying to protect his name investigation no reason to be concerned here no charges against with a capitol police officer shooting and killing an unarmed u.s veteran that's the only person who died that day and that was not any trump supporters doing that two people had heart attacks in the midst of this chaos that day i'm not even sure those two were inside uh the capitol but two people had uh, heart attacks and pre-existing heart problems, which wherever they were that day, is equally likely they would have been succumbed to a heart attack wherever they were that day, is not violence at the hands of the protesters. Another person had something like a uh, some kind of an attack. It was not a heart attack, but it was a health condition, not a not the recipient of or the victim of violence by uh, the protesters. The last one was a Capitol police officer uh, who stories originally came out saying that he was beaten on the head with a heavy, you know, one of those really heavy fire extinguishers. And that was a story being floated around, that the the protesters inside the Capitol had beaten this guy, this Capitol police officer, with a fire extinguisher and that led later his death. The fact that that didn't happen, has now been out in the media. I mean, you know, you find the retraction of that story on page 17B underneath, you know, the street cleaning schedule or something. You don't find the retraction and that important retraction on the front page of the same newspapers that ran front page headlines saying, five people killed, five people died. And the fact is that individual, that police officer, God bless that man, I'm sorry he passed on, but he he wasn't beaten with a fire extinguisher. He apparently had some kind of bear spray or pepper spray or something that was sprayed near his face. But he left on his own volition, left on his own power, uh, either walked back or got a ride back to his apartment, had texted his brother. The guy succumbed finally. And I guess ultimately we will hear what he succumbed to. But But the point in saying is this. This is a narrative the left has found works in manipulating ignorant people to paint the narrative that the January 6th incident was an insurrection in which massive felonies occurred and which five people died due to the conduct of the insurrectionists, that a Capitol Police officer was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Those things work people up into a, I mean, if those things were true, you'd have more of a concern. But where we really are now, now that we're past January 6th, well past January 6th, so where we really are now we're just past april 6th now is having a media not wanting to acknowledge and not doing the honest thing and saying you know what we got carried away with the story of the day we got carried away with the news of the day and so we you know as as a matter of fact it was not an insurrection it was a small number of people some of them committed crimes they're all being prosecuted yes there were left-wingers there and they were also being prosecuted they committed crimes you can't. You, the, the left, the media in this country, will not walk back that story because keeping that fear out in the hearts and minds of American people benefits them politically, and that's one point this article is making. And I want to go back to RussiaGate very quickly. So you know, we talked about this on the show endlessly. We went through the whole, you know, allegation of collusion between uh, the Trump team and the Russians, and after you know millions of dollars and hundreds of depositions and you know hundreds of thousands of hours spent tracking down people and interviewing them and and, and bringing criminal charges against them for things unrelated to alleged collusion and all a kind of setup thing that the Mueller team did trying to do the perjury trap trick to people after all of that the entire amount of evidence that the, the investigation brought out the Mueller investigation brought out was zip, zero, nada, nothing. There was no evidence at all of any collusion between Trump and the Russians. But even after that happened, even after that information came out and the entire nation could read the Mueller report, the entire nation could watch the very painful statement, interview, uh, you know, hearing in which Mueller testified. and He clearly was not as mentally alert as everyone hoped he would be, and so wasn't really able to answer questions. But everyone in the nation with a a hint of conscience, a hint of intelligence, a hint of honesty, listening to that realized, oh, there was no collusion at all. That's what they realized. However, when you're the media and you're in bed with the left and you want the, the country to continue to be suspect to see President Trump as a probably really didn't win kind of president, the story—it worked. It worked for the media to spread the story, spread the lie, and to continue doing it because there still was. And I've been trying to get the informa- information. I didn't get it fast enough, but I was trying to find that poll that was done, and I, I, I won't—I won't float a number because I don't remember exactly what it is. But there was a poll done months and months and months after the Mueller investigation, after the hearing, after everyone knew there was no collusion. And it was something in the range. I mean, it was like 30% of Democrats or maybe 40 in that range still thought there was Trump-Russia collusion, but Mueller just couldn't dig it out. And I tell you that to tell you why the left continues to push the insurrection story at the Capitol on January 6th, because it influences ignorant people. It makes people think that they are really living in this, you know, this crazy insurrection era. And and the reason I wanted to uh, also talk about that today was there is a thing. I I went to a conference. I spoke at a conference, not this past Saturday, but the previous one. And one of the other speakers brought out this, uh, reminded me about this story. And I want to just mention it today. But I think over the next few weeks, I'm going to keep bringing about more of it. It has to do with uh, this Russian spy, this Russian spy who was a... um, you know, was actually uh, a communist. He was a spy for the communists. He worked for the communists in Russia. And he, um, and he finally defected to America. But part of what his work was in working undercover cover with the KGB in Russia, his job was to figure out how to manipulate people. His job was to figure out what it is, what the Russians could do, to destroy America's society without firing a bullet. That was his job. He worked within the KGB, the Russian disinformation, Russia Communist Party effort to bring down America by forces other than military. It was, and, and he wrote, so he, anyway, so this guy didn't this, have this job for a long time. He finally, he actually defected. From Russia he defected to the US Embassy in Athens Greece so he defected in 1970 his last name is Bezmenov. I think it's Yuri Bezmanov and I have a series of slides that my friend who also spoke at this conference I'm gonna break them down and show them to you over the next few weeks because Yuri Bezmenov, so he defects in 1970 and in 1984 he wrote something which he called a love letter to America a love letter to America from a Russian spy. He wrote that in 1984, 14 years after he had defected. And in this, he is writing about and trying to help Americans. This is back in 1984 before, you know, before the crazy of today's Marxist party. But back in 1984, Yuri Bezmenov wrote this letter, a love letter to America. I tried to, it's actually a little book. I tried to order it today and you can't order it. I mean, it was really troubling. I I found online a PDF of it, which they permit you to download. So I've downloaded the PDF and I'm gonna make little slides for you. But but the reason I'm doing this is, it's kind of my big point of today's show. We're living in a society where the leftist mindset, and I don't just mean the Democrat Socialists of America, or the Communists of America, the Marxists of America. I mean, the Marxist movement has taken over the Democrat Party. That's who they are today. They are the Marxist Party today, still trying to hang on to the Democrat label, but they are Marxists. Their agenda, their platform, their policy missions, what they want to do is Marxism. And so this guy, Yuri Bezmenov, writing back in 1984, is trying to say, hey, America, you got to wake up. You've got to realize what the left is doing to America. And then he didn't call it the American left. He actually thought of it more as, you know, the um, the the uh, communist. The I mean, he didn't yet see and maybe there wasn't them yet there wasn't at that point actually the control of the leftist party in this country by the marxists so he he wrote this name this book this love letter to america under uh, a pseudonym he said my name is tomas david schumann tomas david schumann he said i and i want to read just a tiny bit to you because the reason i'm doing this is we're living in the middle we are watching in our national news exactly the kinds of things that yuri besmanov tried to warn the american people about which was how america can be taken over internally how american freedom american capitalism american prosperity americans rights how they can all be destroyed without firing a shot by the leftist mindset, used to be just the communist Russians and the Marxists and the socialists, it's now the American left. One half of the political aisle in this country is under Yuri Bezmenov, is conducting things, engaging in things along the lines of what Yuri Bezmenov was trying to warn the American people about. He says, I, I am what you call a defector from the USSR. And I have a message for you. I love you very much. I love all of you liberals and conservatives, decadent capitalists, and oppressed masses, blacks and whites and browns and yellows, rednecks and intellectuals, and intellectuals. for me, you're the people who created a unique nation, country, and society in the history of mankind, by no means a perfect one, but let's face it, the most free, affluent, and just in today's world. He goes on to say, I'm not alone in this love for America. I'm not alone. People all over the earth. He goes on to say how people all over the earth want to come here. They desperately want to come here. They, they want to come here because they understand what, they, what freedom should be, what America has, what they want, what they know they should be able to have, but they don't. So he, he goes on describing that. So he writes all of this. Um, and he talks about. Why you should be concerned with a warning from a Russian spy? Why you should be concerned? Because what he details, this is actually a a commentary about it. He details a multi-decade long plan to collapse America from within. And fully explains how to do that by design. Our country is more divided than it ever has been before. And Yuri Bezmenov's point is the division America would see, the the division America would see, is orchestrated is intentional it's not just wow look what happened who knew we used to be such a happy country but now we you know we have racial division we have ethnic division we have divisions along class lines we have divisions along um, you know just just in every conceivable aspect of society we're divided and the message of besmanov and the message of people trying to talk about today is we're watching the orchestrated destruction of america right in front of us And if you get drawn in to one particular issue and you defend the merits of the conservative view versus the liberals are saying, that's a good thing to do, it's not a bad thing to do, but you miss the bigger picture? And I want to tell you something else Bezmanov wrote back in 1984. My dear friends, I think you are in big trouble, whether you believe it or not, and then he has this all in caps, you are at war and you may lose this war very soon together with all your affluence and freedoms, unless you start defending yourselves. I hope you have noticed on your color televisions that there is in fact war going on right now all over this planet. The war has many faces, but it's all the same. It's war. Some call it national liberation. Some call it class struggle or political terrorism or call anti-colonialism. He just says, I call it world communist i'm sorry i gotta find the right thing i call it world communist aggression what he was trying to say is a communist work to divide to to enrage people to divide us to make us suspect each other to make us jealous of each other resentful of each other he's getting at the point this is what the communists how they figured out how to destroy america and what i'm telling you my happy listeners in we are right now here we're watching the left use this tactic right here in America. We're watching the left use this tactic around the country, dividing America along racial lines, along uh, ethnic lines, along, uh, along battles over you know the border, battles, battles over our economic well-being. The left is using this tactic that the communists started using, and Yuri Bezmenov explained for us, to destroy this country. If you're sitting there thinking, I already knew this, I'm glad. And if you're sitting there thinking, I can't believe you think that, that's crazy, then I'm really glad I brought it up. Because what I want to do more than just expose issue after issue after issue is to talk about the big thought forces, the big you know, thought forces in this country that strive every day to shape the way Americans see things, to shape what we believe about our country, what we believe about our fellow man. And, and you know, the other thing that's really a, another aspect of all of this is Yuri Bezmenov actually sat down and talked about the four stages which the communists plan to use to destroy America's culture. And he, the first one he called demoralization where we just become you know we are demoralized our country is he says takes 15 to 20 years take over public education system we're already there take over public education system have an entire generation be exposed to the ideology of the enemy we're already there we have kids graduating high school college grad school Believing in Marxism and socialism and communism and hating freedom and hating free markets and hating America and hating America's history. We've already completely succumbed to that. We have destabilization. The second one, just simply uh, use, the, they have sleeper cells they put in this country. and They're all over this country. Sleeper cells that work very hard to demoralize the American people. Demoralize us. Uh, they, and they have people who believe in this leftist revolution rise up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, they're big figures in our society and the big figures to be uh, saluted to. And they're in leadership positions, academia and law. I mean, the Barack Obama immersion from basically, you know, Nowhereville to President of the United States was an example of this kind of thing. Someone who believes in this radical leftism. And all of a sudden, in fact... Among the things that they talked about, the people in military leadership positions screened for, selected, and relative relative their globalist views. This is what Obama did to our military. I could go on and on about this. I may do a whole show about this just to run through Besmanov's ideas, and uh, the ideas. Of, and then they also it's important to keep in mind Sun Tzu's Art of War and how they see what they what how Sun Tzu wrote about. You know millennia ago, um, about how to take over a country and recognize it. And the reason I want to do this is I think it will help people stop taking everything we see, every division, every issue, every hassle at face value. Stop agreeing that everything we see should be just taken at face value. That, for example, right now, over 2020, we watched BLM protests and Antifa protests, massive protests. And everyone thought, oh, wow, they are really, really upset about, you know, police, racial bias and policing in America. Really upset about the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis, which we are going to get to, but not today. The George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. Really upset about that. They're really upset about other uh, instances. They can run through a list of names. And so we watch all these things happening. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, massive violence. And the media tries to present it as though it is just organic, as though it just rose up because of uh, in reaction to events when the fact is the cultivation of anti-Americanism, the cultivation, the belief of Marxism, socialism, communism, the cultivation of anti-Americanism has been on the rise in this country for decades. We're at the point of seeing major fruition of that effort, major fruition of that effort. And I think it helps us in dealing with the problems we have in this country to be able to put them in this larger context, to be able to recognize, don't just fight over this particular incident and here's our view of it, here's what you think, what we think, but recognize we're in a battle of whether or not we're gonna be able to hold on to America the free. That's the battle we're in. Can we hold on to the America of the founding, that committed to the ideas of the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal, that were endowed by our Creator, by God, with our rights. That the government exists to protect those rights. The government exists for the consent of the government, that to, by only the consent of the government. That we have rights spelled out in the Bill of Rights. Those things are God-given rights. This is unique in America. And this is the core battle with the left. Are we gonna have America the free, or America the Marxist over the coming decades. The effort to push America over the cliff to Marxism has been a long time coming, but what's great news today is there are more people finally waking up, finally waking up to the tactics of the media, the the way they contort the January 6th event from a very small number of people, some of whom committed crimes, into a blown-up version of an insurrection, almost took over the country, almost took down the Capitol, when that wasn't even close to true. And they perpetuate that lie because it works, convincing people to believe in that. We're watching on issue after issue on the major challenges facing America, an effort of the left not just to push a particular policy position, but really to push America as a whole away from uh, and and alienate america as a whole away from the founding ideas of rights and freedom and into a place where we simply accept the marxist control of our society and they do it through alienating us alienating people based on race using black lives matter and antifa to spread uh, grotesque levels of violence because the message you're supposed to take from that is I'm sure things must be really terrible in America or else they wouldn't engage in this. That is the message of the left. There's, there's a lot to be talked about. This. I'm going to have to go back another day because I'm running out of time. But I do want to recognize, point out one other great article I posted today. By the way, all the articles that talk about my show can be found on our website america we talk org on the homepage, um, under shows drop down list of links you can find these articles the other one i'll mention very very briefly is one that was by victor davis hansen the completely wonderful writer who wrote about wokeism and basically can the great awakening that was his word can the great awakening succeed but one of the many points he makes is the left is working to tribalize america tribalize america break us into tribes And then we'll just become like the warring tribes have been in every country since time began. The warring tribes are all about identifying people as your tribe because of your skin color, race, ethnicity, national origin, and then viewing everybody else as the other, somebody to be feared, resented, or hated. This is the mission of the left. And the American people, I can tell you my very fine friends, are more awake than they've been in a long time. They are alert to this. They are waking up. Do not give up on America. They're not going to win. But it takes many of us who know the right idea of America, know the truth about America, to stand up and speak up for this great country and the founding ideas and expose and reject what the left is trying to do. Well, that's a very quick thing. I called this last little segment very briefly. Um, I just called it uh, Join America Can We Talk, Defend America the Free. I have one slide. I think Matt the Wonderful found it for me. Um, and that was, uh, this is a slide just talking about, you know, how, what you can do. So on my show, America Can We Talk, I'll update this slide, but you can join the America Can We Talk membership family. We're going to continue the show every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, just like it's been for a while. But starting April 1st, just a few weeks ago, our Thursday shows are for members only. Shows Monday through Wednesday for everybody. Thursday's show will be a private Q&A, sometimes with a guest, a time to answer questions you email me or that you text me. So it's a Q&A. It's a conversation, not just a show. To join, go to AmericanCanWeTalk.org, click on the Members tab across the top, and then choose Join Now once you join you'll have access to the members only page for live shows and to watch past shows joining only costs five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year once you've joined you can watch all the past shows you've had two thursday member shows only uh so far only two so far Uh, this past thursday was uh, lieutenant colonel Alan west just a fabulous conversation Previous week was Todd Benzman, uh, who is an extraordinary figure in America, fighting on the southern border, exposing, he's a journalist and writer, but exposing the southern border, how horrific the conditions are that have been created precisely because of the Biden policies. This coming Thursday, we have Rafael Cruz, the dad of Ted Cruz, coming in talk about his life worldview given he grew up in commie or he was in cuba and communism got there he got out came to america he can talk about the uh the effort of the left to take over this country especially the effort of the left to take over through the churches to spread social justice warriorism into americans christian churches instead of the gospel among many other points he'll talk about okay have right, one last qu- quick little clip i sent to matt the wonderful and i reason i wanted to play this it's a very short clip all this is it's a statement a visual of the real fact of how race relations in america really are this is a guy who is reunited with a, a military buddy he's been on a um he was in the military serving the military his best friend hadn't seen him in a long time and the two of them are reunited and the wife of the one who set up them to get to meet and get together again recorded their uh, get together and here's the video <laughs>
1: I follow you into the park through the jungle through the dark.
0: Gotta never love one
1: like you.
0: Okay. I love that video. It can make you cry. So obviously, that's the real state of race relations in America. It is. That one that guy and his, those two friends, obviously one's black, one's white, completely so fond of each other, just hysterically happy to get together. This is the real America. And what we're watching in this country is a le- an effort of the left to paint America as deeply racially divided. They create the division through many falsehoods and then they perpetuate the division by feeding it, by convincing other people of one group to be suspicious of the other. You know, Charles Barkley had it right last week when he just said, you know, most people I know, white, brown, black, most people are very good people. And we need to stop letting the, he called the politicians, I add the media to that group, but the politicians and the media, divide us and tell us we're something less than we really are. We don't deserve the way Americans do not deserve the way our people, our country, our culture is painted by the the radical left media, by the Democrats, by by, uh, people in this country who thrive on division. Okay, one last quick thing. I did find the numbers very quickly. It was about how many people still think Trump-Russia collusion happened. Seriously? Harvard-Harris poll, a majority, 53%, 53% of Americans said, even when the investigation was all over, oh, probably Trump really did collude with the Russians. We just couldn't find it. you got to understand, this is why the left perpetuates lies, because when they tell the lies over and over, tell a lie long enough, it becomes the truth to people who should know better. Okay. We'll wrap up the show a little long today. We'll wrap up the show and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So, we start our very f- opening today with BLM and the Marxist millionaires. Patrice kahn colors Marxist founder of BLM, recently bought a $3 million home in California and Georgia. She's bought four homes. Fidel Castro died with $900 million in net worth. Hugo Chavez died a billionaire, the ugly underbelly of Marxist anti-capitalist societies. Wealth concentration and gap between the rich and poor is far more extreme than it is in free market economies. Wealth accumulation based on political allegiance, corrupt cronyism, not competition and producing something good. The Marxist-Socialist pitch of fairness and equality is a web of lies. Will Americans fall for it? The CEOs demand election fraud. The Yale professor gathers 100 CEOs on Zoom to talk about how to defeat Election integrity reforms. These people are not experts in election legislation, but what one quote was, political unrest is bad for business. That was one reason one of the people gave for supporting this effort to bring the CEOs together and fight election integrity legislation, because political unrest is bad for business. They respond to how the left acts. It's time for patriots and elected officials and common sense CEOs to unite and fight. Yes, political unrest is bad for business. But election fraud causes unrest. Suppression of election fraud and opposition to election reform fuels unrest. Misguided, left-leaning CEOs are uniting to destroy the pro-business environment of America. Free and fair elections and free markets under the rule of law are essential for business. Patriots must stand up and resist these CEOs. Boycott them all, people. And Great America Manipulation Exposed. Julie Kelly in American Greatness, January 6th is the new Russiagate lie. you got to read it. So good. Insurrection, yet no arms were found. No arms among all those people who got into the Capitol, by the way. should tell you something. Evidence of misdemeanors at most. Five deaths, only one due to violence, and that was a police officer shooting an unarmed protester. Large segment of Democrats still believe in the Russia collusion hoax. How long will they believe in January 6th? as an insurrection kgb defector bezmanov's love letter to america 1984 resonates communists at war with america making useful idiots believe things that are not true demoralization destabilization crisis and normalization around totalitarian control we are living in what bezmanov told us would happen my friends victor davis hansen wokeism is entirely tribal eliminates progress through merit are there enough Americans going to are enough Americans going to wake up soon enough to end the manipulation and finally join America Can We Talk my very fine friends American patriots need each other as never before must stay connected and informed join America Can We Talk as a member join our group by texting America to 53445 participate in members only Thursday shows Q&A and go to the website americacanwetalk.org Click on subscribe and get our once weekly newsletter. And membership fees defray the cost of producing the show. Keep all commentary and interviews uninterrupted and commercial free. No and shields America Can We Talk from Big Tech Censorship. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk? Truth about America.